0: listening to episode 258 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name's dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we begin our journey with the netflix series dark and like we were just talking about five or ten minutes before we started recording
1: about this show i, I know we're both psyched yeah <clears throat> you know um just rewatching it and i think this is the third time i think what i actually the, the the first time i went through it i would watch a show and then i re the The previous one and then watch the next one and then rewatch you know like that so i ended up going through the shows only really one time but watching everything twice because man this show is it's as as complex as all get out yeah
0: and just like we've done with a lot of our shows here on sci-fi tv rewatch we've seen this in its entirety but we are not going to spoil it and it is going to be difficult to not spoil it but it's already very tough (laughs) and what we can do though is perhaps point out things that maybe you should pay attention to in as little a spoilery way as possible and we'll just leave it at that I think a lot of the listeners this is your first viewing so we want to you know make sure we keep it spoiler free and then you know maybe next week probably uh you know, we'll uh, have some things answered that don't get answered this right. week and, and so yeah. forth. And, and, so and so as forth.
1: always, we're not going to do like predictions or anything like that because that would be ridiculous as we already know what happens. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, but, yeah we're just going to stick to straight analysis and we are going to do our darndest to not, you know, say anything that might spoil anything. Which, as Dave said, it's, it's going to be tough because there, there's so much going on. Um, and this show really, I mean, if there's ever a show that requires a second watching, it's dark. Cause when you, you go through the second time, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. You know, like you just, now you get it. And I think even after twice, I still don't know if I really get it. I think, so this is the third time around, I think maybe this time I'm hoping that I'll, I'll, uh, finally come to some level of comprehension by the end.
0: Right, and I think what happened to me, and I'm sure it happened to you as well. You watch this episode that we're about to talk about tonight, episode 101, and knowing what we know, certain things become extremely significant. And in retrospect, oh, I didn't even, yeah, you know, put two and two together. I, I, you didn't catch it
1: the first time, like oh, oh, really? Oh man, I didn't catch it. You know, so there's just a lot going on.
0: Right. And maybe when we get finished the series, we can maybe go back and talk about some of those things in in episode 101 that uh, are as significant as we said. All right. So before we get too far into our dark discussion, as always, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail. You can record your own audio clip and send it as an attachment if you'd like to do it that way tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch and consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there now I just want to throw a little bit of news out there I mean this is San Diego Comic Con 2018 week and I mentioned that last time but the nominations for the 2018 Emmys came out and while we're not going to really discuss it I just want to throw out because it's really a heavily uh, favored genre feel this time Mm -hmm. so for instance outstanding lead actor in a limited series or tv movie now most of them are are you know j- regular dramas but from black mirror the episode uss yeah Callister, i was supr-
1: i mean that guy did a great job uh probably yeah, jesse plemons playing uh matt damon but uh you know um but yeah like i was like whoa yeah, yeah. jesse plemons pulling that out that was nice Right now, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series
0: or TV Movie, Sarah Paulson, American Horror Story Cult. And even though it's not genre, I love Michelle Dockery, and she got nominated for her role in Godless. Uh, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series, we have Ed Harris from Westworld and Jeffrey Wright from
1: Westworld. I know, too. That
0: was great. And I'd be hard-pressed to pick between them. That is a really going to be a tough category, because I know you don't watch This Is Us, but, but two of the lead actors are up in that category as well. Outstanding lead actress in a drama series, Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black, Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale, Evan Rachel Wood from Westworld. Again, it, it, it's a really stacked category. Claire Foy for The Crown. Sandra Oh, Killing Eve. Carrie Russell, The Americans. That's going to be a tough choice. But then, well, we you know, that, with, out- with
1: that one, though, it's funny because you know they after they list the the actress and then the show, they list the part that she plays. And Tatiana Maslany's is like a paragraph long. <laughs> yeah
0: all right and then finally outstanding drama series we've got game of thrones mm-hmm. the handmaid's tale stranger things and Westworld. and to conclude the category this is us and the americans but uh, really four of six series are genre that's so that's incredible uh, right that is incredible so we'll keep you guys posted on uh, the results when they come around and i just want to do a quick tip of the week i don't know if you've got one or I not i do Okay. Now, I just finished watching season four of 12 Monkeys, and while I'm still processing what it is I've seen, and, and certainly Michael R's reviews on uh, Den of Geek help and his podcast. God, what is it called? Uh, 12 Monkeys Uncaged and with Corey has really helped, but I thought you know, it's been a long time since I've watched the 1995 Terry Gilliam film starring Bruce Willis and Madeline Stowe. So I watched that yesterday. It was pretty cool. I, I think one of the questions you have to ask, does it still stand up in 2018?
1: And I would say, yeah, it does. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I went back and rewatched 12 Monkeys maybe last year, two years ago. It totally stood up. It's still a great movie. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh, what do you got for us this week? Well, I have. I finally saw Avengers Infinity War. So it's you know it's like a tip of the week, like two months ago, I guess. Um, but I think what the most amazing thing is that I don't know how I remained spoiler-free on that movie for as long as I did. But I did. And so what happened, you know, the ending was really a surprise. I'm not going to go and, and be like, say, hey, everyone else you know, no one spoiled it for me, so I'm gonna go and, and you know, spoil it for the rest of you. But you know, the ending is quite shocking and uh, you know, um yeah, I was I was glad that I was able to appreciate it as I'm watching it rather than having any kind of prior knowledge. But it was a heck that was a great movie. It was really all the, I mean all the Avengers movies are good. You know, it's just really especially when you're tying in basically the entire mcu with the exception i think of ant-man was the only one who wasn't in it i think um so you know they had every single character from their the marvel cinematic universe in this movie and they you know they pulled it off it's tough obviously there's not quite as much character development as you would normally see but uh yeah they did a good job all right
0: sounds good all right well why don't we get on and hopefully do a good job with dark uh, we will. which is we will. I'm the first one. absolutely the first german language netflix original series and it debuted on december 1st 2017 there is a second season in the works production underway season two however is only going to have eight episodes down from the 10 in what? season one it is oh. going to introduce some new characters And for those of you that have seen all of season one, there is some spoilery information out there, including pages from a script and a trailer of sorts. So I don't want to know, but it's out there if that's the kind of person you are that you like to see that stuff. You can, I'm sure, find it with uh, Google. All right. Now, episode 101 entitled Secrets, as we said, December 1st, 2017, written by Baron Boodar and Yante Frisia, who are a couple, they have a daughter, and uh, they're well known in the television crime drama genre in Germany. And they were approached by Netflix to develop a series, and, and I, I saw an interview with them, and they were talking about once they got approached, they you know went into their file cabinet. Ah, oh, we got this show we developed, but we don't really like it, and they took something they already had, and then they just ran with it. So. Uh, well. run they did yes they did all right so uh a couple of points of emphasis you know as we enter the discussion and we'll kind of go chronologically within a a couple uh, areas but we'll get to that in a second but certainly it establishes the fact that something weird is going on in the town that the weirdness has happened before the 33 year mark seems to be significant though we don't know for sure disappearances seem to be part of the picture and ulrich's brother apparently disappeared and now of course in this episode his son
1: Mikkel disappears all right so far so good anything but yeah as you said it's been 33 years we don't know if that's significant um and But certainly the fact that both of these disappearances, which apparently are the only things that have happened in this town like ever, basically, is that, oh, 33 years ago, uh, Ulrich's brother disappeared. And now in 20, or actually not even now, next year. 2019. Uh, 2019, um, his son disappears. So, you know, it certainly is centered it seems to be around ulrich you know or, or he's just just super super unlucky
0: the other thing this episode does is establish the people of the town the families their interconnectedness and fred posted a great family tree with pictures and and connectors and names into the facebook group so uh check that out if you need to and Do he's going not to
1: check that out
0: well, no, no. I'll he, he. You out. can check it out now. Um, oh, okay. He's going he, to, yes,
1: he, edit yeah, so it he, he
0: okay. edited it. So he's going to be adding to it in, in uh, short order and, as okay. the uh, series m- moves on. So the because other and, thing and that is, will,
1: I would say that almost is going to be necessary as the series proceeds. Because I, like I said, I was watching this, I was rewatching it, and I was basically reading every time I watched an episode, I had to kind of go back and also read um, a review of it to kind of keep straight who was what character. And so most of the time I'm watching this, I'm just like processing the whole time. Like, all right, who's that? You know, who's how are they related to this person, this person, everything. So um, because, yeah, there's a lot, as we saw, you know, that first shot are pictures of people with strings and they say that everything is connected well it you already we're we're seeing that right that there's a lot of interconnection here as you would expect in a small town and they do a great job though of introducing the characters and, and getting us
0: to really feel something positive or negative about virtually all of them but there's this overpowering sense of foreboding and it comes out in the music it comes out in you know the darkness of a lot of the scenes and the shadows we see there are hints and details being dropped a lot of which have to do with the nearby nuclear power plant right i mean how many times do we hear that foreboding music the characters in thought and you see the the two smokestacks looming in the background
1: Right. Yeah, I mean it just you know, it just adds to the general creepy malaise that seems to hang over Winden. Um but yeah, to see those the the two huge uh reactor thingies <laughs> um right. only increases that sense of of danger, I guess, uh the threatening kind of overture. Sure sure now you know we've
0: already mentioned fred put up the uh, family tree image all right so i want to start just by talking about hannah conwald who's the mother of jonas and the key here is the older woman with the letter right Mm -hmm. so you know who i'm talking about Uh, yeah
1: yeah who at this we assume she's a uh mother-in-law of michael her who we see kill himself in the beginning of the show or uh, but we so, don't know for no. instance
0: we- right so one of the ways that they establish familiar relationships in this episode is through the family photo
1: yes the big photographs big kind of motif
0: right so it, the first time we see hannah's family clearly somebody is torn out of the photograph because right. we see hannah her husband and jonas and we don't know at this point who's torn out of the picture. Later on, when we see this older woman, she has a copy of the same photo, but it's intact. And she's the missing person. Right, right. And, and, and then we see her later listening to a voicemail left by Hannah. Right. And, and she says, the power's out again. If you want us out of the house, just say so. Your grandson, who we assume is Jonas, hasn't seen you in over three months. Do you think Michael wanted that so whether it's her mother-in-law i mean i I would think it is her mother-in-law as you said yeah and and that michael is her son yes right Right. okay right so you know establishing that that's something that's easy to not make the connection on
1: one viewing exactly that's definitely i don't even actually you know i think maybe i i caught that the first time around but you know honestly i think actually the first time around i don't know if we know, like cause it's not like we learned everyone's names right at first we don't figure out hannah's name until probably i think probably halfway through the um the you know the, the episode um you know if for the longest time she's just the the lady who is upstairs having sex um, but, and then, you know, Ulrich, Ulrich, we don't find his name out, I think, till he gets home, till he goes home. Uh, so it's just, like, it, it's, it's, you, you, it's very difficult. Like, you'd think, like most shows that would have these many characters, you'd think they would, like, tag the characters right away, right? And, like, the first time you see him, someone calls that character by name, and, okay, now we get it, that's who they are. But they, they don't do it all the time. And so it's like, you know, often many scenes later before we learn someone's name, which makes it even more difficult to try and figure out what all these relationships are.
0: Well, they establish early on in the opening scene that we are going to be in for a wild ride. They, they start with a quote by Albert Einstein. The distinction between past, present and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion all right yeah father of relativity sure time is an illusion all right got it thanks for the help (laughs) but then that voiceover that follows talks about the fact that we trust that time is linear yesterday today and tomorrow however are not consecutive okay so the question we ask are we talking time travel i mean how can we not consider that at this point i mean it would be one thing if it was you know how many shows employ flashbacks as a narrative device i mean plenty Sure. so it it seems to be more than just flashbacks at this point right
1: right but we we really don't know because the only kind of flashback we got was of michael's suicide right and
0: we get the date june 21st 2019 and as you said a few minutes ago the present is 2019 in the course of this episode but we see this man he's in this artist studio sort of dark sort of dingy he places a sealed envelope with the instruction do not open before november 4th ten thirty p.m and then he hangs himself and then, of course, almost at the instant the rope you know, goes taut against his neck when he jumps off the stool, a teenage boy wakes in his bed as if from a dream. And you know, one of the questions that I have now that I didn't really think too much the first time I watched it, how long has Michael been dead? And, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure how important it is, but I'm thinking like maybe five months or so. Yeah, it seems like sent- it hasn't been a long time. Well, I say five because Jonas... In that conversation on the first day back from school, apparently missed the last two months of school. Then, if you take the three months of summer vacation, oh, okay. Um, that so that's how I'm coming up with the number five. You're like but, paying
1: attention and stuff.
0: Well, I guess so, except
1: for well, right. the the time is five thirteen, not five thirty yeah. or ten thirteen, not ten
0: thirty, ten thirteen. Yeah, right. right. All right, so. uh a lot of it necessarily so is exposition i'll I'll call it the secrets of winden and you know this teen wakes up to find the power out again mom's having sex upstairs and this is of course hannah who we've mentioned and ulrich they're having an affair because as we learn he's married to katarina we see him sneaking out the second floor window and this is of course where we see that family photo that has been torn presumably to eliminate someone from the image and, right. and
1: it's kind of like how the this show messes with you because we see the people having sex and we're you know obviously our first assumption is you know this is the kid's mom and dad right right well then the dude puts on his clothes and jumps out the window and we're like okay probably not dad then right now the question i have is how
0: long has the affair been going on since her husband's only been dead five months,
1: right? I'd say not long because he hasn't been caught yet, and he's not being slick.
0: No, right? And for a policeman, you'd think he'd be better, <sighs> right?
1: But he, you know, he's leaving like hairs on his on his hoodie. You know, he's he's making out with Hannah right outside the you near know, the PTA meeting. It's like. Right. Yeah, nah he, he, this hasn't been going on very long because he's well, he's definitely headed down the street of getting caught
0: well and the reason i also bring it up because one of the things that gets established is not only who these people are but what kind of people they are so on the one hand what kind of man gets into an affair number one i mean his wife is still alive but and she's good looking well okay oh his wife yeah, yeah. um but I mean, how vulnerable must Hannah be at this stage of her life? Yes. On the other hand, if the affair was going on before her husband hung himself, then you know, did this play into you know him killing himself? We don't know at this point.
1: Uh, absolutely. And I think that, while we're on the subject of Ulrich as a character, it's complex, really, because if we had only seen him you know, having sex with Hannah, then jogging home and immediately interacting with his family, we would say, "What? What a dude! What a a-hole this guy is!" You know, but we see him comforting Eric. No, not Eric. Eric's the dead guy. Right, his mom, though. Like, oh, right when, right. when his parents, Eric Obendorf, when his parents come to the police station, and they're spitting at Charlotte. You know, uh, Ulrich is the one to. He gives her a hug, and he like calms her down, and and um, you know, so we see him in other situations where he's you know like kind of interacting with his kids and everything. He seems like an all right dad. So it's not all black and white. It's not all one thing or the other. I mean, yeah, he's got some serious flaws, but he also there's some things that he does that are okay, right? Yeah, and you mentioned uh, we see him in the context of
0: his family, which for ulrich's family that you know we really get a pretty good handle on you know who, who's in this family it's the first day of school the the accompanying chaos in the kitchen and we're introduced to mickle who's this you know the young boy dressed in i guess what he would consider his magician's outfit but it's i don't know just kind of some halloween it's
1: like a like a skeleton kind of skeleton halloween thing. costume
0: his older brother, who's a teenager, Magnus, uh, mom, Katerina, who's trying to get some food in the kids before they run off to school. Martha, the teenage sister. And, you know, we see Mikkel doing a trick for his father at the table, even though mom's like, stop it. Let's go. You got to eat something. Get going. And, and of course, dad, uh, I guess, gets in the way. But I don't think that's a big deal. Well, but he undercuts
1: her authority there, you know, like that is kind of like a parenting no-no you know like she's telling she's trying to draw the line saying go get dressed and he's like ah go ahead do your trick you know so he basically yeah. just completely cuts her legs out from under her but you know she's too busy like while he's out bowing hannah she's trying to get the kids ready and get them dressed for school and taking care of all the the you know minutiae of trying to get three kids out this out the door um so you know again like at this point we're not feeling very great about ulrich you know
0: no but uh one of those small details that w- we do want to pay attention to mickle's doing a trick and it seems like a very basic trip two cups one ball you know where's the where's the ball and after he does it and okay that was seemed kind of impressive yeah, and, and good trick his, his father says how'd you do it and his answer, not how, when. Right. But the other thing that comes out in this scene for me is Magnus, the teenage son, continually smacking Mickle yeah. in the head. And I'm thinking, like, what a dick. I ah. mean, my my brother and I were about that age difference, and and I, I mean, maybe I have selective memory, but yeah. I don't recall doing stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's I, you know, I, I I I like Magnus a lot. <laughs> I like okay. he's one of my favorite characters. So it's tough for me to be really critical of him. And I think they just do it as for comedy. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of funny stuff going on in this. But we see Mickle getting slapped. and Even uh, um, Bartosh later smacks him upside the head one time. Um, yeah. So I I I think they just do it for a little bit of comic relief uh you know because yeah you're right like it is kind of a you know a dick move especially as much as as many years are between him and mickle
0: right and you know once we get to you know the scene in the woods when the kids are all running neither magnus nor uh god i can't think of his name you just said it bartosh bartosh gives a damn about little mickle and it's of course jonas that uh, you know accompanies him but uh, you mentioned Ulrich, and, and uh he's a policeman and, and you mentioned the scene with eric obendorf's parents and, and that's certainly a part of this first episode that eric is a teenage boy he's been missing for 13 days and they're there at the station looking for information and you could argue that they're way over the top when Charlotte tells them, you know, we've conducted 170 interviews, we've done this many man hours. It, it sounds as if they've done everything possible that they can. And yet, as you say, the, the mother spits in Charlotte's face. Yeah. yeah. And, and and of course, it takes Ulrich to step in and calm things down a little bit. And, and um, I think you certainly were pointing out that trait that he apparently has, that that he, it's almost as if he can understand what they're going through and... On one level, of course, he can because his brother went yeah. missing. Now, yeah. whether it's related, whether it's the same kind of situation, we don't know because, of course, he brings up the fact that maybe he just ran away.
1: Yeah, and and you know the parents seem a little sketchy, the Obendorf parents, right? You know, yeah. Um, and I, I think there was some point there that you know they said someone suggests uh, they would completely understand if if the kid. Oh well, the the kid was well. He was selling drugs, right? Too sure, um, right? So you know, it, it the door family seems like they exist on the fringes of of Wyndham society, and so you know, you could see their maybe their frustration and maybe being cognizant of that fact, and you know, therefore they they feel that they're being given kind of like the shaft and not getting the police's full attention when. You know, I mean, Charlotte has counted the number of trucks in town and she has tire prints of all of them. Like, Charlotte is a little methodical. You know, it's like she's doing her due diligence here. Yeah. Well, there's no question. And when
0: she and Ulrich sit down to talk about what it is they have in this case and they realize we basically have nothing. Yeah. And she brings up something about his brother. But, of course, he says, now that has nothing to do with this. And we see another family photo on her desk where we put together that her husband is Jonas's therapist. And their teenage daughter is the one that was smoking weed with Magnus outside the school. Right. So, uh, you know.
1: Which is funny because you you got the principal's son and the daughter of the, we assume is like the head of the police department, uh, you know getting stoned out of school all right
0: right now to to kind of backtrack just for a second we see the scene with jonas biking to school with the nuclear power plant looming in the background smoke's pouring out and then we see on the light post the missing poster with the redhead teen boy uh who uh you know obviously we learn who that is and Ulrich is running down a path and he runs past the signpost, Winden to the left, winden caves to the right, and then of course it cuts to the caves and, and again that ominous feeling we get related to the caves. So are the caves related to the nuclear power plant? I, I think at this point we're certainly asked to
1: consider that possibility. Yeah. Well, you know, as we said, the the, the power plant is like kind of constantly in the background there. So you know, at this point there's no indication at all, except that we know the power plant's gonna be closed down. Um, but uh and you know, but we expect from, you know, forty, fifty plus years of power plant disaster movies that, you know, the the power plant is there's some kind of sketchy stuff going on at at the nuclear power plant and everyone right. from Mr. Burns to the was it the Philadelphia experiment? Uh, oh, that the one? nice! Yeah, yeah. The, on the Navy ship. I think. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no. What am I thinking of? Well, the yeah, Paul Newman the movie experiment. that's uh, the, with the nuclear reactor. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, anyway. I don't know the Philadelphia
0: experiment is where they are. They're they're trying to move the ship through right. space. Right. You know. Right. So whether it's time travel or not. But uh, uh, regardless, um, the nuclear power plant plans started in 1953, even though construction didn't get underway until 1960. So uh, I'll, I'll just say for now, keep 1953 in the back of your mind uh it's going to be taken offline in 2020 which is kind of interesting because they point out that it's got the highest safety record of any nuclear facility i think they might have even said in the world so why are you taking it offline why are you getting away from nuclear energy
1: right we don't know yeah so maybe they're going green i don't know these people It's 2019 and all these people have flip phones dave Flip phones. Ah, uh, like, good point. I didn't even... You know, is is this like know. Planet of the Apes? Have we actually gone back in time? Well... Like, yeah, I don't think I'd noticed that before, but this time I'm like, I'm like everyone has a flip... Phone. Like, there's no smartphones in here. Like, what's going on? It's This is actually a year in the future, and the tech is like 15 years old. All right, now, we're also introduced to Regina
0: Tideman, who owns the Wyndon Hotel... And apparently she's having financial trouble related to the missing boy. And I'm thinking, all right, 13 days this kid's been missing and people are changing their plans. I, I, that just doesn't seem to me to be <laughs> yeah. realistic. So,
1: Well, you know, Wyndon know. doesn't really like look like a place you'd want to go vacation anyway, kids missing or not. You know, it's like there's a nuclear power plant there. Well, yeah. Except for that, though. I mean, a lot of the
0: scenery. I think I would love to live here. I mean, that that house that Ulrich's family lives in—that big red brick house—that not not in the middle of nowhere because you can see another house off behind it. But I just—I don't know. There's a feel to it that I really like. Yeah. Uh, and and given that they've made it clear, nothing bad ever happens in Winden.
1: So. You know one missing boy, thirteen days, come on right, well, so you know winden is a small town, right where everyone is related, everyone knows everyone else's stuff um but it looks you know it doesn't look like an American small town, right no, not at all um so and you know, I guess if we got you know listeners out there I know we have German listeners out there or Europeans. You could chime in, maybe, about you know how accurately Winden uh, fulfills the stereotype of a you know German or European small town. But but uh, you know it, it looks different than what we expect, but it's still the same thing. You know, we under, we get it. We get how constricted it is. How everybody knows everyone else. Everyone knows everyone else's business. Um, the the interrelationships between the different families are very close um so yeah all right well you may have noticed
0: the same thing i noticed the first day of school high school and the principal who of course turns out to be katarina ulrich's wife is holding an assembly did you notice anything about the assembly
1: i Um, mean what were
0: there like a hundred kids
1: yeah right there weren't a lot of kids
0: so, whether that's just you know part of the budgetary <laughs> restrictions right. or, the show had again, or is it thats is it that small a town
1: small town right right um we just had a, a friend in this weekend who is from you know Jamestown, New York, and there's a high school in Jamestown, which is actually kind of big, but then there's Bemis Point, which is like fifteen minutes away also has its own high school, and, like, no one lives in Bemis Point. So the high school has, like, I, I don't know, people from Bemis, if, if you're listening to this, I apologize if I get this wrong, but, like, like a couple hundred kids, and, you know, it's, like, tiny. Um, so, you know, it, it happens, right? You got, like, um, like we have, what is it, uh, Chrisfield High School, right, in Maryland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where all the kids, uh, a lot of those Eastern Shore kids around Cambridge that go to, Very small school. Let me talk for a second about Ulrich going
0: to visit his mother, who apparently called the equivalent of 911 merely to get her son to come visit her. And he's got to tell her mom just call me on my private line if you want me to come over. Call me
1: on my flip phone. Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Clearly, she's a bit depressed. Tells him she sees a shadowy figure found an empty candy wrapper in the woods, which was apparently Ulrich's brother, Mad's favorite, except that Mad's has been missing for 33 years. So 2019 minus 33 is 1986. So keep that in mind. So apparently Mad's went missing
1: in 1986. Right. Which, you know, Uh, i meant to look up when you spin me was released but i would hazard a guess we're going to find out it was released in 1986 which is the song that's Uh, playing the the first time we see eric in that blue wallpapered room right yeah i think i have
0: it in my notes somewhere what year it was but what's 33 what's 1986 minus 33 uh, 1953. Okay, just saying.
1: To, so that's, right. that's just what we said we weren't going to do, man. Yeah, well, I'm just you
0: know I I think that's within the context of the episode that that uh, start doing that kind of thing. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. So we, but we while see we the go scene 33, in- then yeah. All right.
1: Whatever. We'll
0: okay. stop there. All right. Uh, we see the scene in the Winden rest home, and this older man muttering, "It's going to happen again," and I think we're meant to notice something about him. And I'll just leave it at that. Something more than the fact that he's muttering it's going to happen again.
1: Well, I, I mean, they they show a close-up of his ear, so I don't think we have to be too coy about it. You know, like, his okay. ear is all messed up. Like, that's pretty evident. Okay. All right.
2: Um, and You spit Me came out is- in
1: 1984, by the way. All right, cool. And the movie I was thinking I think so- about was The China Syndrome.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned Ulrich's wife finding the hair on her husband's hoodie, so obviously they're setting up the affair between Ulrich and Jonas's mom. Uh, And then we see that scene where Jonas's mom is apparently a massage therapist, and she's giving a massage to one of the power plant execs at the plant. And he's mentioning the stress of it closing down in a year, and then he just— mentions by the way yeah i came to winden nearly 33 years ago so right. there's that 33 again yes now hannah shows up at the school and immediately greeted by katarina so if they're not friends they're at least acquaintances so whether it's one of these deals that they're friendly because their children are friends we don't know but of course the the dramatic irony that that we know is that uh you know her husband's having an affair with hannah so right
1: which i mean unfortunately in the world of affairs is full of dramatic irony because uh you know for a while at least you know someone doesn't know what's going on And, and so you can't help but feel Obviously, for Katarina, I mean, we see her trying to get the family out while, you know, while Ulrich is out with H- Hannah, and and then you know we see her and we, she's the principal, and you know that's a tough job too and everything, um, and you know so she's just like kind of like a busy working mom, and whose husband is screwing around on her, and now the lady who is screwing around, and and obviously Regina insinues insinuates later that um you know that maybe other people do know what's going on which is you know probably not surprising as Ulrich's not being super careful so you know it just kind of sucks all around for Katerina basically right but it does
0: put that thought in her mind given that she found the hair on his hoodie earlier on but as you said it's a small town and it is likely that Other people know. I mean, clearly Regina seems to know. But at the PTA meeting, which is apparently meant to update parents about Eric's disappearance and that whole idea that Wyndon has a low crime rate, uh, Helge, the older man, enters the meeting and starts, again, spouting off, it's going to happen again. Charlotte uh, ushers him out, but certainly not before uh, the rest of the adults in the crowd are seemingly not surprised by what it is he's saying
1: right he, and then he definitely seems like the crazy old cute of the town right
0: right and then it, it it leads us to the scene with that older woman with the envelope and we see on the clock it's now 10 2 then it goes to ten thirteen. she begins to read stops looks up folds it back up puts it away head down clearly upset by what she read and of course we don't know and i kept waiting for a voiceover right to know right. what was in the and letter nope. but but we nope. don't get that and, and i do know i'm glad we don't get that sure at this point
1: well and you know here's my takeaway from this lady because jonas is we we feel a ton of sympathy for jonas right away obviously you know i mean he is definitely the emotional center of this sh- you know, show as, as what we've seen so far. Um, You just feel terrible for this kid and just life just keeps crapping on his head, left, right, and center. He is just torn up because he doesn't understand why his father committed suicide. Right. Right. And understandably so. Well, this lady has been sitting on the note that he left for however long it is so yeah you know michael put on there don't open till november 13th but you know probably most people would kind of skip that direction in order to give the kid some something you know something to help him heal because he is not healing like at all like he's in he's still in bad shape he says he's okay but he's not you know We can see that it's clear he's still taking pills. He sees his dad, right, as he's running from the caves. Um, So, you know, like, at this point, I see that, and I'm a little upset because the kid that I sympathize with is hurting, and this lady is sitting on something that can maybe help him heal, and just because it says, don't open until November 13th, she... which also means that she clearly got to the body before anyone else did, that she was able to s- steal the note before anyone else saw it, right? Okay. Uh, but then the question, why does she wait to open it? Because that's what it said, I guess.
0: Well, but it's almost, I think we have to consider that she has some inkling of what might be in it. Now, whether or not it turns out to be true, because to be honest, I can't remember if we actually find out the contents of the letter. Uh, it's been a while since mm-hmm. I've we do. You know, seen the rest of the series. But it, it clearly, it, it's almost as if she was afraid to open it. And once the instructions come you know, to, to being at ten thirteen p.m., then she's free to open it and apparently what she expected to find inside is is maybe what it is she does
1: find but right well I like think i'm saying like i hope so because she would need to have a really really good reason to to keep that note from from jonas oh sure absolutely now the other story
0: it, I'll call it going to the caves to retrieve Eric's weed. <laughs> yeah. Cuz that's basically what this is all about. And and it kind of starts with that scene at school. I guess we're still at the first day of high school. Yeah. Magnus is smoking weed outside the school and that's where we learn that his mom is the principal. But the key takeaway is that Martha used to be Jonas's girlfriend but is now Bartosz's
1: girlfriend. Right. So here's where I'm going to comment on the Titleman family as we've seen them so far. Not great, right? Okay. We got Regina, who is seems to be wound very tight, cussing out the guy on the phone. She's that parent at the PTA meeting. She seems very nasty insinuating of that, you know, that she knows about uh, Ulrich's mucking about. And now her son, Bartosh, who freaking, his best friend is freaking out and having trouble because his dad killed himself. So while his buddy's away trying to heal, he swipes his girlfriend. And, like doesn't even like say anything and she doesn't say anything like you would think when he came back she might be one of the first people he'd kind of look up and she'd be like oh yeah you know yeah i'm kind of going out bartosh and the best she has to offer i know i started talking about the titlements so i've kind of moved on to martha now but you know like oh i tr- i texted you a couple times but i never sent him oh well thanks that makes me feel loads better about how you are now hooking up with my buddy you know
0: yeah. And and he keeps smacking Mickle Again, he's a dick, just like Magnus. I mean, I get why you might like Magnus. I mean, there's something rebellious about him. His mom's the principal. So th- there's certainly a likability about certain things about him. But I mean, for me, when you look at Jonas, who, who's just the most vulnerable individual I think we, we've seen in the episode so far and what does he do what's his reaction yeah that's a, a i understand it's okay
1: yeah yeah the poor guy I mean, you know he's dying he keeps looking at her she keeps looking at him during the assembly so obviously he's not okay with it i mean you know that's that that's clear but the yeah the poor kid not only that he's still like is hanging out with bartosh like there's still buds Like he goes on the weed run with him. Which, if I might interject, how, if all the kids in school know that Eric Obendorf was selling weeds and where he stashed it, really is going to take him 13 days to get to that? Well, I guess the question is,
0: is this part of his inner circle? So is it common knowledge that he kept his weed at the caves? My problem is, Okay, you kept them in that old-stuffed chair out in the middle of everything. That's where you decide to hide it? Really? (laughs) Not inside the cave anywhere. Not Right. All right, Right. all right. So whatever. Um,
1: Weed dealers, maybe not necessarily the... I'm not going to make any generalizations about weed dealers, but, you know, like, oh, wait, that Francesca decides to go after it, like, on the exact same... 13 days after this kid disappeared is when everyone decides to descend upon this stash. Like really? Well, and and I can't remember whether she was
0: privy to their plan to do it, but when they gather at the caves, Martha tells Jonas that she just had a deja vu as if it's already happened before. Okay. What's it? what happened before and then we go back Ah, to uh, hell hell before
1: you go any further we got the matrix reference
0: oh that was awesome which
1: ever like this is great because every like everyone listening to us right now has been there at some time or another when you make an allusion to like some sci-fi show and the person's just like what (laughs) you know and he has to explain it It's just like ah, damn it (laughs) Yeah. yeah, but now he impressed the hell of everyone watching it. We're like, yeah, that's awesome. Good. You yeah. go, Jonas. Now, Mickle says that
0: kids his age think Eric's been kidnapped and is locked in a room, which, of course, that, that's, appears to be exactly, that's exactly what happened
1: what ha- what ha- right. out of the mouth of babes.
0: But then Mickle points out, and for a kid his age, I thought this was pretty astute that it's it's horrible to be dead but to be dead and never have your body found and i think for a kid his age to think about it in those terms is is pretty interesting uh obviously as you mentioned they're unable to find the weed because francesca beat them to it and again bartosh just
1: knocks her down yeah. i mean look he's I, he's just i don't not not i'm not on team bartosh at all i mean Again, you
0: you don't hit a girl, and and that it that he didn't slug her. He certainly shoved her hard he enough. He pushed to, her to the ground. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then he's like, just took it. Like, yeah, no, it's mine now. Right. So when you, I think to me, what what gets established here is okay, Bartosh. He's smacking Mickle, who's you know basically at his mercy. He steals his friend's girlfriend because the guys having a difficult time processing his father's suicide and then he knocks his girl down to take the weed that as she says by all rights it's hers she's yeah and then magnus you know in in a minute we'll talk about you know when, when the kids flee the caves he abandons his little brother to save his own ass right smacks his little brother so so i i don't have a whole lot of of positive things to say about those two at this point
1: um yeah well much yeah at least magnus hasn't stolen anyone's girlfriend and he seems just kind of like the big dopey stoner guy right sure like even Francesca like kind of has his number and everything so um yeah yeah i don't know but like bartosh is just just terrible it's just terrible yeah. he had a good little joke there about how he told everyone that jonas was away in france playing hide the baguette you know all right that's kind of funny but you know i mean that would have been a great time when jonas said hey what's been going on for Bartosz to say oh um i started dating your girlfriend sorry bro <laughs>
0: you know well what breaks everything up at this point a roar from the cave that startles them their flashlights start blinking they hear another roar and then they all take off and of course it's it's pouring raining now at this point jonas who's now with mickle because everybody else left them behind he trips and when he gets up mickle's gone but the key here is i mean certainly it's important that mickle's missing but jonas sees his dead father covered with black oil or i don't know some maybe substance blood, uh, i think blood it just know. looked
1: so dark I, yeah. I mean maybe it
0: was the lighting but uh it, it's pouring raining the kids assemble and they realize that mickle is missing and of course they you know they they run back and as they're running back we, we cut back to the parents meeting everybody's phone's going off i you know look i have a smartphone (laughs) i understand the concept of alerts but i'm not sure what alert they were all getting there
1: yeah well i mean what we in america i think call an an amber alert i guess but well well yeah but the only people that know he's missing at
0: this point are five teenagers are they gonna be cognizant enough to call the police to put out an amber alert
1: yeah I, i don't know but I mean, yeah, it, or, or you could say it's a small town, so everyone's getting the news at the same. Like it's spread that quickly. Okay, all right, and you that know. makes more sense. That might be the thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, before Jonas sees, you know, the vision of of Michael hanged, um, someone whispers his name. Did you catch that?
0: I didn't, no. Yeah, someone says... Oh, oh, oh whispers, Jonas' Jonas's name. Yeah, Jonas' yeah, yeah.
1: I, Someone I, says, like, you're like, Jonas. And then, you know, he turns around, and there's there's Michael Hang there. So, um, so that's creepy. Um, but also, we got, you know, again, Ulrich showing little restraint at all, um, making out with Hannah outside the school building, where inside is basically the whole town, having the pta meeting, so like i said he's just not really trying to hide this very well at all well right it's
0: almost the same mirrored scene you know he's sitting there making out with hannah where his son hours earlier was out there smoking weed right so at the school in which his mother is the principal
1: yeah right right exactly
0: Well, anyway, when Ulrich finds out, he runs to the caves, goes inside, and the the next scene we see is that the police find a child's body partially buried in the leaves. And, of course, the initial idea is that this is, in fact, Mickle, but he realizes it's not. And I think what we're supposed to notice here more than anything else are the Nike shoes.
1: Right. And and, and uh, the Walkman. Which, again, the Walkman. in a town where everyone has flip phones, maybe they are also still listening to Walkman. So, you know, that is not much of a... That doesn't throw me off quite as much, but the shoes are definitely, you know, old school. And and then, of course, the, the third story,
0: and, and we don't get a whole lot of information. It's sort of setting the table. Eric's disappearance. We hear dead or alive's you spin me round and this is the 1985 video playing on the tv and you see he's got like his his hands covering his ears like oh my god this is terrible make it stop that that that's the torture being forced to listen to that when you know i was not a big fan of that era but now in retrospect that's pretty good song
1: yeah i I mean i was I, i was a you know huge fan of that I'd like to say dead or alive, but really they had the one song, but, um, that was a huge hit. That was massive.
0: Like, Oh yeah. That was MTV when they actually played music videos. Right. Right. So, but again, in this room, we see this wired, I mean, I'm going to call it an electric chair. That's what it looks like. That's apparently not what it actually is in the center of the room. And again, the, the the wallpaper looks like it's for like a six year old or something. Uh, there's a bed, a table, and a desk in the room, but then right there in the middle is this huge chair that, again, it's clearly it's there because they strap him into it, and we see that in the closing scene. But what it actually does, no no clue.
1: Yeah it I mean it it doesn't look good, but one thing we notice about the body that uh that Charlotte and Ulrich find is that there's like the the you know there's these black marks around the kid's eyes, and you know we see those metal things closing in front of Eric's eyes too, so you know maybe there's something there you know right exactly so
0: all right, so anything else you want to bring up so uh, before
1: we get to the listener feedback? Yeah, you know, we didn't talk a lot, and I don't think we really need to go into much detail about the psychologist who is uh, Charlotte's husband and Francesca's father, except that right when Mickle goes missing, is it right when he, he, he's like, he calls Charlotte and says, I, I have to tell you something? But I I think, and then that's when I think she gets the call. I might be getting the details mess, messed up here. But it's basically, I have to tell you something, and he doesn't have a chance to tell her. And then he says this serenity prayer, which is the grant me the serenity, accept the things that cannot change, courage to change the things I want, which a lot of people think is like something from the Bible, but it's not. It's actually like the Alcoholics Anonymous, like, like their big, one of their big mottos. Right. So, so. you know, is this guy a recovering alcoholic or something like that? Um, you know, that was, I don't, again, I don't know if I noticed that the first time around, but this time around am like, oh, he's saying that prayer. Like, okay, I know that. So, Something has clearly freaked him out. To get to that point right and like you know it's called secrets right so like the old lady has this secret right because she keeps this note from jonas this whole time oh it also do you notice that she she like split the note up she like folded up some of it like i don't think she didn't put all of it back i don't think no, i didn't notice no. I, i'm pretty sure that's what but um so Ulrich has got this secret affair going on with Hannah. Hannah's got a secret affair going on with Ulrich. Bartosh didn't tell Jonas that he was going out with Martha. Martha didn't say crap to Jonas at all. Magnus is secretly smoking weed. And, you know, this psychologist, psychiatrist, has apparently some secret that he needs to unburden himself of, but doesn't have the chance. So... Um, but again, like, it, it, I assume worldwide it's the same thing. In America, certainly, this kind of motif of small towns having these big secrets in them and, you know, that the the uh, peace and serenity that's on the veneer and the outside superficial level of small town life hides these really deep, dark Secrets underneath, and we've seen that in tons of things from the the earliest days of American history, probably even back. You probably think the earliest days of of literature itself. Is that why it's called dark? Right, very dark.
0: So, all right, well, cool. um Well, why don't we leave it there and and head into some listener feedback. And we heard from Dan Mikowski. Haven't heard from Dan in in a while. And he says, uh, Greetings, Sci Fi TV Rewatch. I haven't listened in a while, so maybe you've covered this, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. I'm a fan of his work and I'm glad to see more of it coming to the big and small screens. And with a new Twilight Zone series in the works, perhaps a discussion on the previous 80s and 2000s revivals would be interesting, or just your general thoughts on sci-fi fantasy anthology series. Tales from the Crypt, Outer Limits, Amazing Stories, Tales from the Dark, etc. And and it's funny because you and I, before we settled on covering Dark, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams was one that we were considering. So we certainly could end up back there and and actually i
1: I thought maybe we should try uh philip k dick's electric boogaloo
0: (laughs) nice (laughs) but the nice thing with these anthologies is you can just do one two three you don't necessarily have to do the entire run because they're rarely interconnected yeah so all right now dan says also just as an aside i think you were a little too kind to reverie (laughs) but i'm going to finish out the season because i like the cast and i couldn't disagree with you more about preacher i liked the first season but season two was abysmal garbage and i'm not going to waste any more time with it but that's just me now i'll just remind you dan that i gave reverie a b minus and and Somebody else gave it a B, but uh, (laughs) just, just, just saying, um, you know, preacher, I'm just, (laughs) I know I'm just so torn with preacher and I don't know. I've seen the first four episodes of season two, maybe the fifth. I don't know that I'm going to finish out the season. There's something about the show that draws me in, but once I'm there, I'm thinking,
1: well, why am I here? <laughs> exactly. Well, because it's summer and there's nothing else to watch. I, th- I think yeah, that, but- I think Preacher makes a, – a, like if, if Preacher were during the fall, I probably would have dumped it long ago.
0: Well, I guess. But, you know, I mean the way shows are getting released now. I mean Killjoys is coming back Friday. Uh, Winona Earp, I think, is coming back Friday as well. That has no effect um, on me. Well, I understand that, uh, but then there's Netflix there's sure, things right. to rewatch, yep, so I don't know
1: anyway well, right, well uh, so this, I just want to say about preacher because you know like actually how you just put it, i like I love how you said that because for for me right now, preacher is kind of like the girl that you're dating and you're like starting to think that you know maybe I don't really like her that much, but there's still a lot about her that you're like. You know, like, well, you know, there's, she's, she's pretty cool or, you know, like we have fun together and stuff like that. But you're like, but it just seems like, like, I don't know, like you're starting to consider breaking up, but it's hard to come to that decision because you've got history now. Like we've been going out for two years now. We're Preacher and me are on year three. Like, am I ready to end that relationship?
0: You know, because then there's the fun. You know,
1: yeah. There's, but but also it's just also because I I've been in this relationship for a while now. Do I keep going just because it's been going? You know, do I? Am, am I being too frivolous and cutting off something that? So, but well, basically, I, I get uh, what uh, what Dan's saying. It, it, the first season was very good. The next season was. I don't know. There were some parts to it that are pretty good, but I think it just, you know, like it gets off too much on just being weird, you know. Sure. And, and so oh, I agree. it's like not necessarily following a story; it's just being weird for the sake of weirdness. The first season had a very strong story uh, from beginning to end, and then after that, it seems like the the writers are just kind of trying to find their way here. Dan, thanks for checking in, and you know your your suggestions
0: about the anthologies. Uh, we're going to have an announcement, maybe next week, the week after, and nothing monumental, but but just something we're going to try that we haven't to this point that might fit uh, perfectly with what you're suggesting. All right. Now we also heard from Fred this week, so let's take a listen to what he has to say about dark.
2: Hello Dave and Wayne, this is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on the German series Dark, Season 1, Episode 1, called Secrets, or in German Geheimnisse. I watched the episode twice, the first time with German audio and Dutch subtitles and the second time with English audio and Dutch subtitles. I do not need the subtitles really, but especially in the German version, they sometimes speak quite unclear, somewhat unarticulated. My wife, is a native German speaker, confirmed this. She could uh, confirm it because we just found out that she already had seen the series without me knowing it. In my house, we speak partly German. With our sons, we mainly speak Dutch because they don't like German, but my wife and I speak a kind of half half language where the change of language even can be in the middle of the sentence. Germany, like France, is a country well known for its dubbing of almost everything, but since the Netherlands is a small country, we almost get everything with subtitles. Apart from children's series, of course. That's also why, uh, partly why, uh, the reason why Dutch people can speak English quite well. Because we mainly watch American series, the average Dutch person will speak with more an American accent than with an English one. So for me this could have been the first series i would watch with english dubbing but i have to judge uh, if i have to judge from this pilot i think i will go for the german version the translation is not bad but i think the synchronization could be better when i watched the episode for the first time it gave me quite a bit a hemlock grove feeling also situated in a small village with several families interacting and super, supernatural mysterious things happening, mainly in the woods. We discussed this series before, and, did you, and you did your Sci-Fi TV rewatch episode 155 55 about the pilot. And as, as I remember well, Wayne has watched the whole series, and Dave not. But that was June 2016. So Dave, did you watch it in the meanwhile? I think I once suggested uh, that it, that I would love it if you would do a podcast about it, especially because Wayne does like it uh, a lot as well, and there are not many podcasts about it out there. I think actually only one, uh, a terrible afterbus podcast. Some of those afterbus podcasts are nice, but most of them are too loud, too shouty, and with too many hosts. I think you can better watch an Afterbus after-show than listen to them. So, Wayne, what do you think if you compare the pilot of Dark with the first season of Hamlet Grove? And I especially say the first season because I have not watched uh, beyond that so far. Okay, about the pilot of this series. I have to admit, I never would have picked it up if you hadn't brought it up. It's quite German uh, in its general feeling. It really looks like Germany, with its dark houses and small windows. I always call Germany small window country, especially at the countryside. In the Netherlands we actually have a very open house, very open houses with big windows. It are houses where you can look through. We call those type of houses sun-through houses. If you stand in front of them, you often can see what people are doing in the backyards. So, very big windows in the front and in the back. What uh, also is a bit German is that the opening scene, or actually the second scene, is a sex scene. Could be Dutch as well, though. I had some trouble to get all the relationship clear and uh, restarted the episode after 35 minutes of watching in order to make a kind of multi-family uh, family tree, incl- including all the inter-family relationships. After I had more or less finished that, silly me thought that I could look for something like that on the web. And I found two nice ones. The first one I posted on the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch Facebook page. The second one is a bit spoilery now, but I will post that after episode 2 or 3. I think the acting is quite okay. My wife warned me a bit that some of the acting was not that good, but that was mainly for the spoken stuff. Of course, good acting is very subtle. I think with the English dubbing, you won't notice it. I think the story is scary and mysterious, but not too much. Actually, and I'm going to repeat myself here, like the beginning of Hamlock Grove. One of the things I want to know is why in Hannah's house, her mother-in-law is torn away from the family picture. The other is of course the big and obvious question, which role the nuclear power plant plays in the whole story. It surely is an intriguing pilot which makes you uh, want to see episode 2. This by the way is also true for another series you gave me a tip about, and that is Counterpart, with Olivia Williams. Who plays Adele in Dollhouse? Last remark, uh, and that is actually about the beginning of the pilot. I like the kaleidoscopic opening sequence of the series. Greetings, all the best, thanks for this show, and uh, we'll talk to you in the next episode. Greetings, Fred. All right. Um,
0: all right, first of all, how funny is it that we're at a point in society and relationships? when some people consider watching a show without your partner a form of cheating. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but there have been times that I start watching a show because I'm sick and tired of waiting for my wife, and I'm like, I I can't keep watching it. I stop. I
1: feel guilty. Dude, <laughs> I, like, I I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I didn't start watching it for like a year. Like, j and I, we watched like the first episode, and then like... It's just, it's just hard to get her in front of the television, you know? I I don't know if that's necessarily true, but so it's like, I, I just, like I get to a point where I just, I can't wait. I just can't wait for you. I need to move on, honey. I I need to grow.
0: Fred mentions dubbing versus subtitles versus, uh, you know, original audio. And Fred, keep in mind you're talking to two Americans that uh, we have enough trouble with just English. Uh, So for us, and, and and I guess for a lot of people around the world, uh, with these Netflix shows, you've got, you know, dubbing in your home language, you've got subtitles, you, you know, so I, I guess you just don't know until you give a chance to whatever your optimal version would be. I know I've mentioned that my wife and I watch a lot of these Spanish Netflix shows that are not genre. But what we finally come to do is watch the original Spanish audio with English subtitles. It just sounds better. It feels better right now. I'm
1: watching dark with the English dubbing. Yeah. So, so I put this on Netflix. Netflix, I put this on Facebook that I tried dark Subtitled, and it just, it just, it, it it's so freaking complex. I mean, just think about all these interwoven character relationships we're talking about. I could not like keep up with the subtitles and trying to process everything. Like it was just too much at once. So I took away that that one part to make it a little bit easier on me. Because then I could, I, I didn't have to. Read and then I could, my mind could work on trying to figure out what's going on with the story. Babylon Berlin, I also did dubbing, but uh, I watched Tabla Raza, which is a Belgian uh, series, which was amazing, um, but it didn't have a, a dubbing available in English. Uh, so I did the subtitles, and that was, and that is reminded me of how awesome it is to listen to it in the original language to hear you know, to hear the actors as they actually said the lines and also to hear languages like that are close to english and have a lot of english cognates it was kind of cool just when you every every now and then they would just slip in some english you're like oh hey you know and everything so 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 yeah I, I, you know like i, I and also the, the other thing is it seems like when i was in college they had moved to doing subtitles in yellow so that they're very clear but now it seems like they're mostly in white. And if, like, I remember in Tabla Raza, I think, like, the, the one lady, like, the main character, was always wearing a white sweater. So when she talked, it was like the white words against the white sweater is very, very difficult to pick up. So that's also a thing, too.
0: Right, cool. And and that kind of leads into Fred's point about international series in general and there's so many amazing ones out there that we're discovering because of netflix uh, shows like dark the rain uh, babylon berlin that you mentioned which while not genre is still pretty damn captivating oh, so good um and you know hopefully more networks are going to commission new creative projects uh and then finally now i only saw the pilot for hemlock grove do, do you see the connection he's talking about
1: yeah, I, I mean, it's totally like the beginning. I, I mean, I didn't really think about it because honestly, I hadn't seen Hemlock Grove in years. But you know, looking back now, like I definitely see the the similarity in how both series start off very dark, like like as far as the lighting of the the shots themselves, very dark, overcast, a lot of grays and browns. I mean, you think about the only vibrant color we see in dark really is uh jonas's yellow jacket right yeah um and hemlock grove is exactly the same and it's also a small town and there's interrelated families and everybody knows everyone's other business and it seems like history has a big impact on what's going on so yeah there's definitely some parallels there
0: all right well uh, we want to thank dan and fred for checking in love to hear from you know any of you guys um but that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about dark anything else going on in genre tv encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community and if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 2 of Dark, titled Lies. But until then...
1: You try to pull this stupid shit, you asshole.